Welcome back to the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. My name is Dane from Clarkie's Rugby League Column, and I'm joined every week by my co-host, Blaze, from BKR Sport. To everyone here on YouTube and to everyone listening as a podcast, we want to send a warm welcome and say thank you very much for coming back for what I believe is our 10th show. Uh, but that's enough from me, Blaze. How are you going, mate? Yeah, look, I'm going all right. I'm uh, quite run down. It's been a pretty hectic last couple of weeks, uh, you know. And obviously, if you guys were at the, if you're at the Warriors game, uh, it felt like we were in Auckland. It did feel like we were at Mount Smart there. It was a. I've been to many, many a game in the 16 year history of the Gold Coast Titans. You guys know me. I'm always on my drums, doing my best to create chance and get crazy in an atmosphere, but. That one was impossible. That was the largest crowd for an opposition that I have ever seen. And obviously, we'll talk about it a little bit later on, but obviously that's going to come. When you're going up against a team like a, a, which uh, brings together an entire country, they're going well right now. And yeah, look, it was, a, it was a tough one, man. So I've got a really tough voice at the moment. The, the voice is definitely gone, uh, very run down, but we keep cracking on, man, and uh, very proud of our boys' performance. Yeah, we will be here every single week unless of emergencies or otherwise. Uh, to everyone from the Gold Coast Titans fan club Facebook group, a welcome to you. I've put two videos in there now and uh, we've got more and more people coming up to blaze at Titans games and saying they enjoy the podcast. So uh, we, we can't send enough love to our viewers. We really appreciate you being here. And uh, let's jump straight into our Titans news segment. Uh, first one, AJ Brimson report suggested he would be out for the year, Blaze. He is now aiming for around 25 return. For yourself personally, do you do you think Brimo should just pull the pin for the rest of you or you hope we can get him back for the last few games? It's a really tough one because, look, let's be honest with everybody here. We're not going to beat around the bush a great deal. Our season at this point, we're not looking to make the finals. We're not looking towards it. Like, obviously, there is, you know what? I'll give my percentage as I've done every single week. I'd say there's probably about a 3% chance now that we that we make the finals. It's, it's pretty much done. So, you know, that's why, as we'll talk about in a second with Sammy Verrills and whatnot, you know, we don't necessarily need a lot of these boys to, to keep on cracking on through injury. And with Brimo, you know, he was originally out for the season. They're, they're thinking about bringing him back for the Panthers game. I think that if it is a niggling injury that he needs to get done, it's a great time right now where we do have JC, who can play fullback and is, is electric at the fullback. And, you know, we were originally going to be seeing Brimo go to the center on the weekend, and then he had to pull out late. I think that if it is really getting at him, and I think if it is a lot deeper than, you know, we're all aware, you know what, take the last couple of games off. We've only got four games to go, especially this one, the Sharks game. You know, then we've got Panthers, tough game, Storm, tough game, and then the Doggies, you know, really gritty game. So, yeah, look, I think that Brimo, if it, it's up to the club and up to him, but I'd say that from my perspective... Maybe it's best to, to join Sammy Verrills and, and get it done now. Yeah, I absolutely echo that. Ultimately, it depends how Brimson feels. If he's feeling ready to play, we want to have Brimson there. And that's something I want to address straight off the top. I was watching with a, a bunch of fans this weekend. And when Brimson was uh, ruled, fans of rugby league, of course, um, not, not just the Titans, but when Brimson was ruled out, people started saying to me, oh, this is good for the Titans. And I thought... No, it's not. Can we can we stop disrespecting Brimson? Um, you know, he, our captain for that game being ruled out is not a good thing at all. So Brimo, I think if, if he is able to play out these last few games, I'd like to see him try a little bit in the centres to give us a bit more of an idea for next year. Um, but if not, if Brimo needs to rest up for the rest of the year, then so be it. You mentioned Sam Verrills. Let's go to that. He has been ruled out for the rest of this year. He will undergo minor shoulder surgery. I, I want to say, well, I've got two questions here. First one. The replacements. I think Chris Randall and Cruz Leeming loom as the most likely for the rest of this year in tandem there. 
Is there anyone else you want to see tried in that hooker position for now? Not really, man. Like, obviously, Cruz is on his way to England again to the Super League at the end of the year. So, obviously, this is a bit of his, you know, swan song before he heads off there. Chris Randall obviously comes into that number nine position. Uh, that's that's pretty obvious. He actually was originally signed to come into the hooker when if Sam Verrills was down injured, and he unfortunately has been injured throughout this season quite a bit. Um, so, you know, Chrissy Randall will get that nine. Obviously, in an ideal world, you know, we'd have somebody there that we do have going into the future that we can bring into that position. But it's just kind of not really at our luxury right now. We do have these two guys. They're going to have to work with the tandem. And, you know, Chrissy Randall will get, you know, more starting uh, a starting gig for the club for the rest of the season, realistically, because I don't see a starting cruise. Even though I do think Randall off the bench is really the play with how versatile that he is. But... No, look, it is what it is. Uh, I would love to have somebody who was going into the future that could really come in off the bench. Um, you know, no hate to Cruz leaving there at all. Just obviously looking towards the future. But yeah, that would be our two. Absolutely. And I think Cruz would understand that as well. If we did have a young gun there, it makes sense to develop him over Leeming, who has been surprisingly really good in Queensland Cup. Sometimes players sign with the next club and, you know, can kind of slack off towards the end of their current deal. But to Cruz's credit, he's certainly not done that. Looking through our roster, really the only other person that can fill nine if required is Aaron Clark. I think we've seen that. I think we know he's a lock, so I like the tandem duo there. And uh, final bit of news, Talia Fuimayono has met with specialists and could play again this year, which is uh, really, really positive for our NRLW side. Uh, our current halves are doing a great deal, but when we talk an Australian rep player like Fuimayono, it's going to be so important. I really hope we can get her back for the finals. Um, your thoughts on that? Yeah, with with Talia, she we, we, it's been all over the shop a little bit, actually, because we originally thought she was going to be out for quite some time, and then there was reports saying that she was going to be playing potentially last week, and then that didn't happen, and then the Sharks game, and that didn't happen, and now it's looking like it could be a little bit longer still. So, yeah, really not too sure what's going on there, but I definitely want to see her back. I think that the, the talent and the quality that she brought to this club was really exciting, and I absolutely can see her being a big part to play in us going on to potentially win the Premiership this year whilst we're 3-3 three and three right now. So, you know, we did have a couple of our best players out, and yet the fact of the matter is, is that uh, you bring her back in and we're going to be even better. So, yeah, look, I, I would love to see her back as soon as possible, but obviously she does have those that injury around her right now. Spot on there. I can't wait to have Talia back either. And, you know, you just think if this side is able to get into the finals and Talia is able to return for us, the boost that gives our side uh, mentally and by having her out there physically is just huge. And that seems a good point to jump into our NRLW review. Uh, so it was round three and we defeated the Sharks 10-8 down there in Sydney. I thought this was a great contest. I really did. I thought it was two sides that were up for it. And it was really not the game I was expecting. I probably thought we would run over them, if I'm being absolutely honest. You, did, you, did, you had them 13+. plus. You had the, your women's game, uh, Titans women's 13+. plus. Certainly, I thought a 13-plus prediction. And it is tough to get a read on a lot of NRLW sides mm. this year with new ones in the competition and uh, the existing talent being spread across four new clubs. But I've still got to give full credit to the Sharks. They were without Jada Taylor. Uh, Andy Robinson went to fullback for them and did a remarkable job. And... They did put in a lot of effort, but you know what, Blaze? Our girls matched it and more. 
And I thought it was really similar winning conditions to how we beat the Broncos in the previous round. Your thoughts on the game and how did you see yeah, it? Yeah, look, I, I was really appreciative of this one because, look, we were down 8 0 at half time and we were able to come back in the second half to, you know, go against what we've done in the men's game quite a bit this yeah. year is at losing those second halves. This one, we were able to come back in the second half and, and keep our 3 and 3 record. We have not lost a game so far and we've played two good teams. The Broncos are a good team. The Sharkies, they were one of the hot shots coming into the comp this year that people were saying, you know what, they have a really good shout of winning the comp. And before this game, they were were still, you know, higher favourites to win the comp over us. So, you know, besides the Cowboys, who was their first game in the competition, same with Sharks, but theirs has been a lot more developed over the years outside of the NRLW. They were originally the ones who wanted the NRLW, but just didn't get a shot and the Dragons got a spot. But yeah, look, I think that we've uh, really been tested against two quality teams. Obviously, we're really looking to play the Knights and really looking to play the Roosters to see where we absolutely come up against the big dogs. But yeah, to come back from 8-0 down, you know, we really put in a good shift. Obviously, the Broncos versus Cowboys game was on the men's big game there. I did have to stream that, but I did have our game on on the right-hand side. And man, I went crazy when we scored the winner. And I think it was the last minute of the game. So yeah, really happy for our women's side right now. They are absolutely killing it, and we have a big game this weekend against the Knights, so we're going to be able to see, like I just said, where we do really uh, you know, match up with them. The only issue that I have with the Titans women's right now is that our points differential is at 13. So you go and have a look at the Knights, who are in second. You know Their points differential is 39. Roosters' points differential is at 38. Uh, Tigers' points differential is at 32. And then you get us at plus 13. So yeah, I loved the game. I loved what we were able to do getting into that second half. We came back strong away from home. It was... You know, obviously we played the Broncos beforehand and that was away from home, but still in Southeast Queensland, we traveled down there to Sydney, you know, uh, not a doubleheader or anything like that, just an individual women's game. And guess what? We came up with the chocolate. So yeah, I love it. And to be completely transparent, when our Titans NRLW site entered the competition, naturally I cared and was interested in watching the games, but I sort of found myself when we won, I was like, all right, awesome. And when we lost, I was kind of like, okay, that sucks. Uh, right now, at this moment, I've never been more invested in the women's game and the Titans NRLW side. Um, dare I say, maybe even more than the men's side because I'm starting to get those premierships. Well, and I, I, will just, I will just jump in here on that one. I think that obviously with the fact that the men's competition right now is we are in a position where we, we can't really focus on that. I do think that obviously, yeah. you know, we are going to be dragged towards that, that the women's side who are killing it right now. But yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think that this is a, a really exciting game right now. And I think that it's actually beneficial with what you're saying. It's beneficial because... If the men's team was doing so well right now and the women's team was doing well, it would be great for the public perception. However, everyone would focus on the men's. But because the mm. men's team isn't doing as well right now and the women's team is doing so greatly, it is giving us that that care factor so that we get into the game right now and then we prolong it so that we do have both the men and the women's in regards to our genuine care. So I actually think in a weird way, it's beneficial the men's are doing poorly right now for the growth of the women's game and for people like yourself, myself and the general fans to actually find that care factor in it. And that's exactly what it's doing. Certainly. And it's not me taking a shot at our men's side. Uh, just to be clear to our listeners, it's just the nature of where the NRL season is at compared to the NRLW where one is not only alive for the premiership. I'd have to think we're up there as favorites. I've got to admit when we did score in the 45th minute, we were still down at that stage. But because it was a forward three, Shaley, Ben, I started to think, all right, here comes my prediction where I thought we'd really roll them, particularly in that last 20. But we didn't score again until the 68th minute, keeping in mind NRLW games are 70 minute games. So we were really forced to wait in this one. Where I was most pleased was our 81% completion. 
that's a stat that we were a little bit critical of in the first week and we thought we needed to improve and we have improved every single week. So that's just brilliant to see. When I went through the stats and had a closer look at this, the Sharks, and I'm like 100% no GST on this, absolutely genuine. They were better in every single statistic area. Every single yeah. stat they beat us in that you want to. But the one thing that doesn't show up on the stat sheet, not to be corny or cheesy or anything, is heart and effort. And our girls certainly did have that. They had it last week against the Broncos. They had it in round one. And with this win, as you said, we moved to first on the ladder, which is just really, really special. To be, yeah, to be fair as well, though, like we've got, we had six off lows to their zero, which is a real big positive mm. there. So we are looking to get the ball out. Um, yep. And the only, like literally out of all runs, all run meters, post-contact meters, line breaks, tackle breaks, average set distance and kick return meters, you're right. There's only one that we once. There's only one stat there that we won, and that was the post contact meters with 582. But mm. they had 580, so we only won that stat by two extra post contact meters. So it just goes show we we had 47% possession. You know, we had uh, about four minute, three minutes less time in possession than them. We had the exact same completion rate, but overall, you know, yeah, we, the only thing that we beat them on in the game, it, well, there's two things. It was the post uh, post contact meters, but offloads. And the score, like that's that's it. So it just shows that the Sharks have the quality. We need to face adversity. It's a good positive sign. We are top of the table. We haven't lost a game yet. And although there are still, you know, little concerns about, you know, how to win the games, the fact of the matter is, is that we won the game. So yeah, very happy with the performance. Um, and our defensive effective tackle percentage was 90.62%. So yeah, we made 309 tackles. Um, so yeah, really happy with, uh, with the performance. Maybe no GST on my stats there, but maybe a FIFA 23 career mode 2% sell-on um, for anyone that plays FIFA. <laughs> no, no, everyone else probably thinks I'm an idiot. Let's jump into our NRLW 3 2 ones. My three points, and I know who you're going to say, because she's broken the NRLW record. It previously mm. sat at 51 tackles by Samima Taufa when she was at the Parramatta Reels. Put a line through it, baby. Georgia Hale, 56 tackles for <laughs> zero missed. How, gr- how good is that in 70 minutes? Georgia Hale made 56 tackles for zero missed in a game that we won as well as 119 meters. Now that is so special because typically when you see players break these records, they're in a horrible losing effort. Uh, Cameron McKinnis example in the NRL with the Panthers there. We weren't. (laughs) And so Georgia Hale gets my four points. Stuff it. Four points to Georgia Hale this week, mate. Um, your chance to tell us your three, even though we already know what's Yeah, going. if anyone else is at home, or not if anyone else is at home, obviously people are listening, but for the people <laughs> listening at home, please do uh, please do count our three, two, ones as well if you have a notepad around so that we can, you know, figure it out by the end of the season. But I do think we all know who's going to be getting at the end of the season with performances like this, and it is going yeah. to Georgia Hale. You know, I gave her as my preseason MVP selection. I spoke about this last week. I spoke about it this week. I speak about it every week. She is an absolute baller, man. The amount of tackles she made last week we were talking about Georgia Howe being one off breaking the tackle. Uh, you know, I think it was 51 tackles and she got 50. Last week, she was like one off breaking this um, this this tackle record. And she's gone and done it this week and shattered it too. She shattered it. So she nearly made, she didn't make a tackle per minute. Uh, but it's close enough, you know, with 70 minutes throughout the game. So yeah, I, I thought she was absolutely phenomenal. She made a bucket load of meters too. And as you said, did that defensive effort in a win, which proves... She is a diehard for this team, man. She will just throw herself at the line for this team. And I'm really excited to see 
what Georgia Hale um, is going to do. I, I really, I, I really genuinely believe she is actually underrated the Daly M count. I think that she should be getting a few more points. I know that Avanya Pelletti is currently at the top of the Daly M count, um, mm. but Georgia Hale, she just needs. She needs to get quite a few more points there because she is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, for my two points, I'm actually going to go to Riley Jorgensen. I, I really think and I really love the effort. I love the effort from Riley. She comes in, she throws her body at the line. Everything about her, she's just so... She's just... She changes games based off of the way she throws herself into the tackles and makes those big hits. It's all about the commitment, man. It's all about how she goes about what she does. And, you know, she was a debutante last week. You wouldn't even think it. And you wouldn't even think this was her second game this week. Everything about what Riley does is what we want to see here for this women's team. And I was really, really impressed. So, yes, I'm going to be going with Riley Jorgensen. And before I give my two points, if I can just go back to Georgia Howe for one moment for our listeners she is averaging 52 tackles this year. The second place average tackles is Samama Taufa, who we spoke of previously holding the record at 37. So she is averaging, you know, uh, I'm not too good at math here, but if I can figure it out, about 15 more tackles than any <laughs> other player in this competition. Um, there you go. And we go back to the Dally M. It's really interesting because when we gave our picks for our MVP, I gave Politi, you gave uh, you gave Georgia Hale. She currently sits on five points, Evania at nine points. But I mean, I, I probably think Hale's even been better, if I'm absolutely um, honest there. So it'd be really interesting. Uh, I think one of us is going to get a prediction right. Absolutely. Two points, 100%. Jessica Elliston. And I'm going to give my two points to Jessica Elliston. We're super close between her and Shana Mato. They are a great one two punch as our starting forwards there. 13 hit ups for Jess, equal most of anyone on our side and 150 metres, 67 of those post-contact. Also love Jess's effort in defence there with 25 tackles and zero missed. I'll give my one point just because it is the same as your two points. I went with Riley Jorgensen, uh, 23 tackles, missed two tackles, but I don't care because her uh, commitment to her defence, her first contact was brilliant, and I thought it really helped shift the momentum of this game into our favour. Who gets your one point? Yeah, man, you made a good point there with Jess, and I gave her a couple of points last week in regards to Jessica Elliston's story. Honestly, yeah, she is a baller as well, and that's my favorite word of the day right now, baller, and we just have plenty of them. We have plenty of ballers. You know, you go and have a look who's who's not even going to get my point here, but she nearly deserves it. Avanda Politi with 192 for the most run meters. You know, she was incredible. You know, I loved... I actually loved Hayley J. Orman-Mornsall coming back into the team as well, getting that game-winning try. I thought that she did a good job in that turn um you know but i do i do have to give it to jess gallison i do I, I i do have to give it to her just because simply she is a big game changer in regards to when you need a play she will be there and she's got such a big body that can break through the line and i think that our forward pack is really i know that our back line's good but our forward pack is where we're going to win games this year and as we've seen Three, two, ones, both of us have gone for all the four pack. And most weeks, we're looking at the four pack, to be completely honest with you. We have, for me, the best four pack in the business. Although there are other big teams around, we have the best four pack. Georgia Hale, you know, Jessica Elliston, Shannon Marto, absolutely phenomenal there. Riley Jorgensen off the bench. You know, we just have so much talent there. Shaylee Bent also. Shaylee's got a try in this game. You know, we can't even forget to, to mention her. I'm really, really looking forward to, to seeing this team grind out games, but also having the talent in that back line that will, will get the job done. So I'll give it to Jessica Elliston, but you know, shout out Politi for that 192 most run meters. Shaylee Bent for having a great game as well. And yeah, I'm just really happy right now, yeah. 
Yeah, Polite, tough to miss out there. She is averaging 193 metres this year, which is sixth in the NRLW. Um, an insane game from her as well. So definitely an honourable mention. The official 3-2-1 Dalian votes. Three points went to Georgia Hale and Taylor Preston, the Sharks halfback. Two points to Riley Jorgensen and Emma Tonegado. And Holly Wheeler and Lauren Brown picked up one point each. So uh, a few Titans in there being so Just to question Jorgensen. that for a second, just to throw a question at that. Do they get... So so they're doing... No matter the result, both teams will get a 3-2-1. Well, that's what I'm just trying to figure out now. And I don't think so. Because in some other games, I can see Isabel Kelly got five points and Taryn mm. Aiken got five points, both from the Roosters. I think it just strangely worked out that way. Uh, but it does. I it guess was only a two-point victory. It was only a two-point yeah. victory. The only thing that separated mm. this game from a, a win and a loss for both teams was a, a try in the last two minutes by by Haley. So yeah, mm. uh, I, I I can see why. I can see why. It was definitely as tight as you like, and kept me on the edge of my seat until uh, we got that very very late try. So yeah, wrap it up, girls. Keep it going. We are so happy with this at the moment, and let's jump into our preview. For our NRLW, we are against the Knights Sunday at 1.50 p.m. McDonald Jones Stadium. Personally, I'm so excited for this challenge, and I don't think our NRLW season could be going any more perfect. We are 3-0. We're the only undefeated side, and what looms next is the reigning premiers in the Newcastle Knights that have kept a large bulk of their premiership winning side together. Now, I just want to... I can't help but cast my mind forward to the message we send to the competition if we win this game. Not only would be 4-0 undefeated, we would now have a win over the current premiers as well. I think in terms of betting markets, in terms of fan interest, we would absolutely shoot two NRLW favourites. I want to get your thoughts on whether you agree with that and your thoughts on this game. So fun fact for you, we're actually currently, via the odds that I can see here on the NRL.com website, we're actually second favourites right now. There's a really heavy market favourite in the Sydney Roosters, which we all knew was going to be the case. We're second favourite with 7-1, to one, and then you've got the Knights at 8-1 to one alongside teams like the Tigers, who have really rocketed in, who are 8-50, and the Broncos at 8-50, and the Sharkies at 9. Everyone else is getting pretty much out there with the Raiders, Dragons, Cowboys, Eels, and the likes, right? So, yeah, we, we actually were, coming into this season, I thought we were one of the favourites. We actually weren't. We were like fifth or sixth, like fifth favourites, right? Um, but I could tell. I could see the team list, and I knew we were going to really put something together. And now we've gone from like 15s to seven. It's, it's ridiculous. We've really come in, and we are second favourites, as I said. Um, and I just can't wait to play the Roosters. And I believe we played the Roosters at a doubleheader at Seabus, which is awesome. Might be against the Panthers next week or the Titans Bulldogs at the end of the season. We do get to play the, the Roosters there. So, yeah, that's going to be that's gonna be a really, really good game to be able to go there and watch. And we also play Tigers in a doubleheader as well. Uh, but, yeah, this is a big game, man, in Newcastle as well. You know, is it a doubleheader? Like, is it a doubleheader? Can you check for me right now if the Knights are playing um, on the same day afterwards? Uh, but, yeah, look, I think that this is going to be a, a big battle here between the forwards. You know, they've got some really, really top-tier talent as well. Yasmin Clydesdale, Hannah Southwell is brilliant. Jessie Southwell has all the, the um, you know, celebrations around her. Tamika Upton, you know, multiple premiership winner with the Broncos. Uh, also, obviously, won the premiership with the Knights last year. They did get gutted for talent uh, across the off-season with the, uh, you know, Roosters coming calling and a few others. Uh, but overall, Boyle, the biggest. Yeah, Millie Ball, the biggest, right? So, yeah, look, they've got a, a really good team here, the Knights. But I just think that our four-pack wins again. I really do. Shannon Marto and Jessica Elliston against Raymond Butler and Simone uh, Capani. 
I give it to our girls, Olivia Higgins and Lauren Brown. I think Lauren Brown's one of the more underrated players in the game. Uh, Falila Kia and Yasmin Clydesdale versus Shaley Benton, Zara Canfield. Again, I know I, I, I still give it to Zara Canfield and Shaley Bent. And then Georgia Hale and Hunter Southwell. Southwell's great, but Georgia Hale is currently breaking records. Defensively crazy, and he's just such a great leader. So I honestly believe we win in the forwards department again. I really do. And then we've got Emily Bass coming back into the team. We've got Jamie Chapman coming back in the team with Nile Williams Guthrie as a following centre. Uh, you know, Peliti versus Upton. You can't get a better fullback battle than that. You know, some people will say Upton's a better fullback. Some people will say Peliti's a better fullback. So there's so much good battles here. I believe we win the forwards, and I believe we win the game. Yeah, Upton versus Peliti looms as. You know, possibly the premier fullbacks in the women's game right now. Um, and, you know, they both play in the same Queensland side there where Polite plays at centre. But I think that's just due to her versatility. And I do believe if Upton could play centre, I think that would be reversed. Uh, people always uh, laugh when they see me regarding the show and the podcast. Some of our listeners saying I'm always searching in the background whilst we're talking. I've done that again. Call me co-host <laughs> slash producer. It is a doubleheader. The Knights play the Bulldogs following the NRLW clash. Okay, yeah. I look at their roster, I think their strength is their halves. They've got the English international 5'8 in Georgia Roach there and the reigning rookie of the year in Jesse Southwell, who's still a teenager, but we know how impressive um, she is. They're probably the premier. Oh, she put on a great step in that game that they had against yeah. was it the Eels. Oh, man, that step was unbelievable. And I believe she has a background either rugby sevens or rugby union. Um, either way, the footwork there, you can tell she's been a part of professional systems for majority of her teenage years there. I have to admit, I think they do have a real edge over us in the halves in terms of experience and probably class there as well. But what I love is the the blueprint we're playing with. We keep it so simple because our forwards are so powerful that once they win the middle, we keep rolling that momentum. As we've seen in the Sharks and the Broncos game, eventually it might take extra time. It might come in the last minute we are able to get the win. But for this one, I don't think we can leave it so late. I think we really need to go in the ha into halftime with a lead here. We need to have a really, really strong half. Where it gets easier for us, their rep forward, Caitlin Johnston, NRL Indigenous All-Star, New South Wales Blues player, is out suspended. So the same blueprint that's been working where we play through the middle so powerfully, I think if we can follow that, our halves can keep doing what they're doing and giving our outside backs the opportunities and kicking really well on last we will be getting our fourth win in a row. My official prediction is Titans 1-12. to 12. Your official prediction on this Go one, Go back please. into the 1-12. to 12 I have, man. yeah, I've had to. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm going us 1-12 to 12 as well. I think that, especially with this being away from home, I think this is the, the second premier matchup. I do think that obviously everyone does still look at the Roosters for their real premier matchup, which I believe might be what we have next week. But, you know, the girls can't be looking towards that. Us as fans can be looking towards that, but they can't be. Um, yeah, I'm going to go 1-12, to 12, man. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I do think, maybe not as low as 10-8, but I think maybe like a 14-12, uh, 16-14. I think that it's really going to have, because there's just so much star talent on both these sides. So I'll go 1-12 to there. Kind of girls, 4-4. from four. That'll be a massive statement if we go 4-4. Four 4-4, from four. Four from four, absolutely. We beat the Knights, as you said. We then go into a home game against the Roosters in round five, which, of course, we'll preview next week and keep it. Um, NRLW related to start our show because our girls are all the hype at the moment. But yeah, can you just imagine if we get four from four here against the Knights against the Reign and Premiers and the then Premiership the drums there, home, baby. Don't you I worry. The drums will be getting right into it. If the Roosters, whoever the Roosters kicker is, God help your soul. God help mm -hmm. your soul because when you come to see us next week, you're going to be hearing it. 
You're going to be feeling it in your soul as you're kicking. So don't you worry. Then we'll be going for five for five. We'll talk about that next week. Absolutely love it. We'll jump into an NRL recap in just one moment. But something that's just sprung to my mind. We beat the Cowboys NRLW, uh, NRL side. We then beat them in the NRLW. We beat the Broncos NRL side. We then beat them in the NRLW. Our girls just beat the Sharks NRLW. And ah, we're going to beat the Sharks like NRL it. side. I'm just... I, I'm, oh, I like no, it. I don't want to get too scientific on the podcast, but certainly if you look at the uh, quantum Mate, physics involved in such, then you know, nothing else makes sense. Fan. When, that's, when that's the science involved, I'm a big science fan. I'm, um, you know, yeah. I'm Bill Nye, the science guy at this point, mate. So please give us more yeah. science. And we will be conducting more uh, Big Bang theories and, and research following the podcast, of course. Before we get to that, we've got to recap our loss to the Warriors, 28 to 18. And you know what? I'm going to start with this. I'm honestly not fussed. I'm, I'm not even angry. I'm not even disappointed. I'm not even upset. We lost the game. So what? Um, the reason why I don't care is the amount of effort that our side put in, I truly believe with that effort and without a rubbish send-off decision, we win nine and a half times out of 10 against any side. The only side that beats us when we have that much effort is the Penrith Panthers. They're just a class above everybody. We beat every other team in this competition with that effort. And I don't want to hear otherwise. We beat the Broncos with effort. We've beat the Storm this year with effort. They are the other top four sides. We would have beaten the Warriors with our effort if not for a rubbish send-off. And I'm just so excited for the future. The top four sides right now, the Panthers are so far ahead. Let's put them in a whole different planet right now. So we look at the remaining top four sides, Broncos, Storm, Warriors. We've got wins over two of them, and we bloody well should have had a third win, meaning we would have beaten three of the top four sides this year. I thought the send-off was absolutely rubbish. Um, I've got a theory as to why it's occurred, but I'll go to you first to give your thoughts on the game. I don't see this as a loss. I know that like for Warriors fans, we had plenty of Warriors fans watching the con- the, the podcast last week. Uh, you know, for Warriors fans, you know, you deserve the win. Like take the win, whatever. You know, like this isn't for you. This chat room isn't here for you. But you know, we do appreciate you listening in, right? For me, this wasn't a loss because I genuinely do believe, like you just said, if we have thirteen on thirteen, we win that game. You can't be down to you know. 13 on 12 for 63 minutes and be at 18-18 with seven minutes or six minutes to go against a, a top four Warriors team who also still have not beat a Broncos, have not been a Storm, have not been a Rabbitohs, have not been a Panthers, right? They're in the top four, but still concerns around them. But you can't be 63 minutes against them with a man down with a whole crowd against you. Mind you, you don't care as a Seabus. It obviously wasn't our home game. Um, you know, and, and to be down 18-6 as well within the first five, four minutes of the second half. So I think it was even two minutes into the second half when uh, they did score there. So I think it was Toll Harris maybe. But the point of the matter is, is that I have never been more proud. I'm so excited for the future of this club. I thought the first thing I was thinking of the game, well, I was copping it from Warriors fans and blah, 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 blah. The first thing in my mind was I'm proud. Like they're giving me shit. And it's like, for me... I'm not actually affected by anything anyone's ever sa- anyone's saying at all. Like you can yell at me from everywhere, but I'm thinking I'm proud. That was the most proud performance I have seen from the club. I honestly, out of any performance in the history of our club, I would go as far to say that was the most proud because regardless of the loss, we gave it to one of the better teams in the competition, right? And we we honestly could have won that game. We we honestly could have won that game if we weren't just for being extremely tired for being a man down for 63 minutes. So. Yeah, look, I think that the officiating this game was very controversial for both levels. I don't believe Neocoro should have been binned either. But at least that's just a bin. 
you know, that's not sending off for the entirety of the game. You know, that's not... Uh, <laughs> You know, a lot of Warriors fans, and the issue here with War Warriors fans are really the only ones actually saying, you know, what's well, a legit send-off. And that's because they watch Rugby Union. And they're actually mixing up the rules here because the rules are extremely different. Now, you know, I'm not going to get into the, the nitty-gritty of it all, but the fact of the matter is is that if you actually go and look at the tackle, you know that's not a send-off. Like, that is a, a sin-bin at max. Uh, and I'll say that as that. I'll sin-bin at max. But overall, I'm not going to get into that kind of stuff. I'm just going to say, I know Desi. The first thing I thought of was Desi Hasler is going to kill it with his team. He's going to crush it with his team. I think Jimmy Lenahan has proven that he's absolutely going to be alongside Desi. I think they, they coach very similarly. I'm loving it. I really, I think we've got a good team going forward. Desi will come in and work his magic, but a Desi special. And, you know, this proves that we have got a good team going forward. Well, let me be clear to any Warriors fans that might be listening and interested to our recap here. The reason why we're so proud of our side is because you guys are a great side this year. You do sit in the top four, and this is the best the Warriors have possibly um, looked since like 2011, potentially, where they made the grand final. Um, and so we do you know, give respect and, and props to you for getting the win there, and we don't hold any ill will. Um, it sounds like we both agree. There's in the a lot of respect. Have been exactly. Actually, yeah, I, just to clarify, there was a lot of respect between these two clubs because of the fact that we both know how it feels to be down in the dumps. And the Warriors have been down mm. the dumps quite a bit as well. I, and this is a gripe that I have, and sorry for interrupting you, but this is a gripe that I have with a lot of people is that when I talk about stuff like that and say, oh, listen, the Warriors still haven't beaten the Panthers, Broncos, Storm, Rabbitohs kind of deal. Um, they're facts. You know, it, they're facts, you know. And although you may not like what I'm saying, you probably don't like what I'm saying is because you probably don't like the fact that I'm out laying there for people to see. So I'm not saying that I don't like the Warriors because I actually do. I want to see you guys do well. I want to see you guys crush it. You're a very similar team to us. With that being said, you should have done better in this game. And we understand Warriors fans because take away the Dolphins, they don't really count. We're the only two sides that are yet to win a premiership together. So as you said, we know, you know, we, we, we ride the highs and the lows, but we've certainly ridden a few more lows together as fan bases for our respective clubs. That being said, let me get to the send-off. There's been one other send-off this year. It was Jacob Saifidi in round two, where he took the absolute head of a Tigers player with a vicious coat hanger that quite literally belonged at WrestleMania. And he got six, uh, he got five matches for that, and rightfully so. Fodawaka got one match. And how do we get to this point? Because the, the night before, Nathan Brown was sent off, and I thought that was rubbish as well. And I want, and you often see these chain reactions in the NRL where something happens one game, such as a hip drop, next game it's the same. And the referees say, oh, we weren't instructed to do anything different. I don't particularly buy that based on that evidence. But what was the major breaking story on Channel 9's biggest show, 60 Minutes this week? It was the Wally Lewis, I've got CTE diagnosis. So naturally, the sport thinks, okay, there's more eyes on our product this week. What are we doing to combat head injuries? It's not a coincidence. The, the, one of the biggest stars that is completely recognizable past the game of rugby league into a wider Australian audience says I've got CTE. And two matches later, Moeki Fodawaker is sent off with an incident that has been a sin bin for the entire entirety of this year. I don't know. Maybe I've got a tinfoil hat on. I need to take it off, but exactly. I just think yeah, that's... Yeah, but it's uh, just like, and just to go at that as well and say, you mm. know, you're right, because you go and have a look at the Jerome Luai one, and like he's left the ground, his shoulder is contact yeah. with the head, and they with say... Force. With force, that they said there wasn't enough force or whatnot, but the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, and I hate doing this, right, because Warriors fans are going to come at me and say, oh no, like there was intent. It's like, 
Listen, I know Mo. I know Mo personally. I know who that man is. And if you think that man had any kind of intent behind that tackle, you have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. He is extremely humble. He is a great bloke, and he absolutely loves his team. It was unfortunate. Absolutely. But you can't blame that for the result, unfortunately, because mm. you go and actually have a look at it. I don't even really want to get into it because I just know it really frustrates me in the inconsistencies. Yeah. And it really frustrates me in regards to, you know, Warriors fans, you're, you're happy each and every single week to complain about refereeing calls against you. And you're really happy each and every week to pick nitty gritty about certain things and that you're being robbed, right? But then when it comes up against you, you look... You go extremely technicality-wise to say there is intent there, or you utilize rugby union rules inside the rugby league, and you go and say, well, no, that is a send-off, but it's like nothing else has ever been a send-off in regards to that before. Mm. It's usually just a sin bin. So, you know, you've got to pick your battles, man. And, and just this situation really frustrates me because I've seen so many people coming out and saying that Mo is intended to do this. And I know for a fact that Mo Fodawaker had no intent to hurt anybody else in that situation. It was completely unfortunate and it was a bin at max. And I hate when the referees use the word intent. It's such a buzzword. What does it mean? Because you look it up in the dictionary, it's very open-ended. And when you say a player has left the line with intent, absolutely. Why would you not try to make a tackle with intent in a professional sport that's a physical game? Of course there's intent. There's intent in everything you do on a football field. I think it's rubbish. I think the key difference between the Jerome Lewis situation and the Maweki Fotuaka situation is the fact Charles Nickel Klukstar stayed down. And I would hate to say it, but I think I'm right that the NRL referees officiate based on the injury and not the actual circumstances that lead to that. Yeah, because great. And there's a lot of evidence for it. Yeah, well, Graham Ansley came out and said that there's been no conversations. And he said, and I quote, uh, what was it? Happy to be a liar. Happy to be called a liar for this. But we've not, not had any conversations about this and there's not been any crackdown. Mm. Well, okay, I will I will go out there and say that You're I am. Question- <laughs> if you're happy I'm to be questioning called it. it. I, yeah, well, to be fair, he's happy to be called it. But I'm very much questioning it because, you know, until this moment, we had one send-off, which was early in the year, and that was a very blatant one. You had a questionable one for Nathan Brown. You had a questionable send-off then for Mo Fodawaker. You even sent off a trainer, and you've got the, the lack of one for Luai, but it goes back to the same thing that everyone complains about. Why is Penrith always so protected? So, you know, and I don't really buy into that kind of stuff, but I also do buy into the storyline factor of rugby league and the fact that it is a low-grade WWE in a sense, and I've spoken about this before. Um, but yeah, I just I'm, I, I question that. I question the way that they they come out and and go against um, the the fans. I question that they are so stout and devout in defending the decision. But yet, then you you'll go and see like some really really romper stomper one. I just it, it frustrates me, man. I'm really I'm frustrated mm. because I truly believe we win that game with 13 on 13. And I know Warriors fans will disagree with me, but I truly believe that we win that game. Look, let's tie it up because I'm sure everyone's just as frustrated as we are listening. I was actually at dinner with Mo's manager when the Rabbitohs and Sharks game was going on. And when Tom Burgess got sin binned for something that is now getting three weeks on the sideline for, um, I'm not sure if I can say how he felt, but I know I definitely disagreed with it. Um, and I, I do agree with you. We win that game if Mo stays on the field because um, the effort was just so great. And I am disappointed with that decision. Uh, I'll tie up this game in just a moment, but I know you did interview Moeki post-game, so let's insert that here for our listeners. Uh, I'm here with the big fella, Moeki Fodawaka. Mate, that was a tough one. Obviously, you did get sent off, which I think is absolutely ridiculous, but what are your thoughts on the situation? 
Yeah, it was a tough one. Um, I couldn't really do much because um, yeah, he, he was like sort of running across, and um, I didn't really have, I didn't have any intent to um, yeah, hit him with any aggression. I just had my arms down low, but I wasn't leaning in for my shoulder, so yeah, it was just a bit tough because he um, kind of crouched down and came in with his head first. So um, yeah, I hope he's recovering well. Hey, I tell you what, besides that, I'm proud of that. I think that despite the loss. We had 12 men on the field for 63 minutes. We go up against third place with a whole Warriors crowd here. I thought that was one of the most impressive performances I've seen from the boys. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, can't complain about the effort. Um, all the boys done really good considering, yeah, 12, 12 men for the whole whole game. And yeah, yeah just thought the effort um, from the boys, you know, just really um, showed up there. It took you know, the Warriors you know, 70 minutes to um, see the game. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I'm excited insight there from Fotuaka. To tie this one up, Blaze, I was stoked with our 86% completion rate. I think the completion rate becomes so important when you're a man down. Uh, and then only 41 tackles missed is actually really good playing over an hour with 12 men. A lot of sides would not be able to uh, defend like that. And even when we were missing tackles, the effort was there from everyone else to keep scrambling and keep making these tackles. So I was really, really proud there. And look, ultimately, the Warriors are a third on the ladder right now. They're expected to finish top four. They only beat us by 10, and we had 12 men for an hour. So I am really, really and proud that of that was effort. in the last six minutes. Exactly right. We, we were in this one for majority of that contest. And I know a man that would have loved it, like you said, Des Hazel would be absolutely licking his lips at that effort. Absolutely. And, um, you know, in Des Hazel fashion... That's the sort of effort that rips doors off the, their hinges. And I love it. Mm. And I love that effort from our boys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's jump into our three, two, ones. Three points from yourself, please. I've got to give it to JC. There's no way you can go anywhere besides JC here. He was electric. He was electric. And he, he just, he, you know, besides the try, that was one of the most hyped tries that I've experienced at Seabus in a very yeah. long time. To have that send-off, to be down by that 18-6, you know, to score mm -hmm. that try before, I think it was Stimo, and then to get that JC one. Oh, my goodness me. Like, truly, like, yeah. that was just crazy. Because for me, on, that was on my sideline. I looked down, I'm thinking the Warriors are going to score if they keep going left. If they kept going left there, they played their advantage for the Warriors fans out there who were questioning either knock-on. They played their advantage, don't worry. We found out about that in Canberra. <laughs> uh, but they, yeah, we they, did. <laughs> they were going down the left-hand side. And then if they, they actually had gone, they would have scored, but they didn't. They cut back in right, and then JC, buddy, see you later, got that one. <laughs> Look, the meters he made had a try assist as well. He's just, he is our spark right now, man. He really is our spark. He made 250. 58 running meters and it's not he's made like 300 at one stage this year as well yeah. this kid is absolutely phenomenal he loves this club he dies this club he's everything about this club jc absolutely three for me yeah campbell probably is the most famous surname associated with the titans throughout our history as well look I'm, I, I didn't give a three points in the nrlw i gave a four points and i'm gonna have to do that again here Jaden campbell is my four points he becomes the first titans player to make me pass out i literally I'm not even kidding. Like, look, I, I'm not... I, maybe I added a bit of GST on the Titans NRLW stats before. I'm not here, guys. Um, I saw them going left through Jackson Ford, and I, no, no. And I was I started to clench up because I could feel the try coming. When Jaden got the intercept, I jumped off the couch so quick and was just screaming, go, 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 that my legs went from underneath me, and I just felt like lightheaded all of a sudden and fell backwards onto the couch. And then my friend looked at me, he's like, you all right? And I was like, no, I think I just passed out. 
So Jaden Campbell gets my four points. Bro, I get that um, every week. Like just to just to that, that piece of me like every week. Even the the Loffy no try. Like that was insane in the stadium, yeah. man. Like that was insane. I'm not taking away from JC's situation here, but like I know the feeling you're talking about because because I've got the drums there, I've got the crowd around me, I've got the vlogging camera I'm thinking about, I'm also invested in the game. I've got it's just so much going on. And I'm starting doing a chant, man. I nearly pass out every single week, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, oh, I'll never forget the feeling. I've passed out like only two other times in my life, and um, not, they were not football related. So I was—I'll never forget that, Jaden. That was a one of the best moments of my weekend. One of the best moments this year. Um, that was so fun to watch you streak away and get that. My two points goes to the NRL's most informed utility at the moment. And that's Chris Randall. 117 metres, four tackle breaks, and 46 tackles for one miss. Uh, I think there are a lot of great utilities in the NRL that can play a lot of different positions. But if we're talking in form, right here, right now, most improved player for the Titans this year as well, it is Chrissy Randall, and he gets my two points. Who have you got for your two it points? It has to go to Chrissy Randall as well. I love this bloke. Love I just do. I just I just love this bloke, you know? And, you know, he... he I, I remember having this conversation with him at the members' night. You know, we... We spoke for quite a bit of time and it was quite emotional because he was just saying how much he just really wants to play footy. You know, he just wants to play footy for, you know, first grade and, and, and start the team and whatnot, you know, and he's done that. He's got into the team and he is one of our best players right now. You know, people don't recognize this, but he is one of our best players right now. You've got Tino, you know, you've got Fozza, you've got Mo, you've got Dave and, and, and JC and whatnot. But Chris Randall deserves a lot more of the respect because, man, the tackles that he makes, the post-contact meters, just everything that he brings to this club mm. is just so gritty, so defined, and is a tackle bot, and I love it. You know, he's not known as just a tackle bot anymore. He is so much more. So, yeah, the utility factor here from Chrissy Randall is absolutely fantastic. And then to go to the one point, I'm going to go a little bit of skew here. I don't think this is what you're going to go with, so I'm actually going to go different. And I'm going to say I loved what Tanner did, Tanner Boyd, as my one point. I thought that, obviously... We all didn't want to see him get injured. Like when he got injured, I was really praying, man. I was it was yeah. it was hurting me actually to see him down. But he came back, he crushed it. You know, he, he had fifty six run meters there, but you know, the kick returns, you know, he had uh, kick return meters, post contact meters. Uh, what was his the, the thing I was looking at before, sorry. Um, oh yeah, twenty six tackles made. The only thing the only issue was that he missed a few tackles, but with that being said, like do remember that he got injured throughout that game and then missed a few tackles after that. Uh, but, you know, just everything that he did and the little runs that he's making now, the little runs, you know, we've always been claiming and saying, we need to see you go for a bit of a run rather than just pass it or kick it. And that little scoot that he broke through and then did get injured from it, but the little scoot is what we need to see in his game. And I think that he is coming leaps and bounds. And again, do I need to say it? Do I need to say it? Tanner Boyd does not miss. He does not mm -hmm. miss. Tanner Boyd doesn't miss. He got every kick. So... You know, JC obviously got a kick as well. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is that Tanner Boy doesn't miss. I love what he did in this game. I think he's coming leaps and bounds in regards to what he can provide this club. And I'm, I'm thinking that Desi's going to absolutely kill it with him at the seven. Yeah, I absolutely love that pick for Tanner Boyd there. I went very close to him. I'll give him an honorable mention. My one point goes to Dave Fafita. The scary thing for this one was it actually wasn't Dave's best game, but he still had that try that kept us in us. He still gave us seven tackle breaks and 140 plus meters. Um, in a great attacking display. And again, it, it's one of those games, without Dave, we're probably not in it just because he is uh, our X Factor with Jaden Campbell. He's our forward X Factor there. So I give him a one point to Dave. 
Let's go around the grounds. If you're new to our podcast, around the grounds is where we go through the Host Plus Queensland Cup and review how our feeder clubs went for the weekend. Next year, we will be hopefully doing this with our Titans reserve grade side. I'll cover the Seagulls to kick us off. They lose to the Northern Pride 34 to 24. Um, so Pride do go back to back over our feeders, having beat the Bears last round. We remain in seventh. The Pride moved to eight behind us on four and against. So we do need to finish the year strong as the Seagulls or we do risk falling out of the eight there. How did our Titans players go? Tremaine Spry, one try, five tackle breaks, two line breaks, and 128 metres. I feel like Spry's always had these consistent stats throughout the Q Cup year, putting his hand up there as an option if we have some injuries out wide. Tommy Weaver had a try assist and two tackle breaks. Joseph Vuna scored a try. He had 59 metres from six runs and 17 tackles. Cruz Leeming. Now, I'm sure this is the one most people are interested in as he is coming back into our NRL side this week. 15 scoots for 119 metres, five tackle breaks, one try assist, and 30 tackles for only one miss. So a really great game there by Cruz as well. Uh, over to you. How did our Bears go this round and how did our Titans oh, players go? Oh, my goodness me. How did our Bears go mm. this round? We slapped it, mate. The Burley Bears, we absolutely slapped. We won 35-6 to six against the winner, Manly Seagulls. You can't complain about that because that was second versus third. And whoever won that game was pretty much going to be getting second for the season because there's not many games left. And just before I get into our uh, into our boys, I do have to say, South Slogan Magpies lost by two points to the East Tigers, to the Brisbane Tigers. So that means that that draw last week actually does help us out a little bit because our point differential there doesn't really matter because we're a little bit about 40 below the South Slogan Magpies. We're only one point short of them. And they play winner Manly Seagulls this week. They, the South Logan Magpies, they play winner Manly. So the whole port, the, the whole uh, minor premiership is up for grabs again. The Bears, they are absolutely slumming it down. Now, we'll go quickly here through the game so I can give you guys a bit of a wrap of the ladder. Uh, but Jacob Alec, he scored a try. We've got to love that. Big Jacob Alec, obviously, we, we saw him a little bit before. Um, we loved him in that game against, I think it was the Dolphins. Um, so, yeah, really good to see him do that. 223 running meters there for Tony Francis. Um, and, yeah, you know, I thought that this was a really good game here for our Bears. You know, not a great deal of our um, Titans affiliates have really uh, played a great deal. Uh, Kenny Mamalo only played 33 minutes, so something must have happened there. Um, and one of our X5As, Tyron Roberts, obviously was cracking on. But, yeah, Jacob Alec obviously scored that try. Uh, and I'm really happy with how um, really happy with how the team went because that really puts us into it. He also ran for 119 meters there, had a heap of post contact meters. I uh, just want to quickly have a look at how many tackles he's made here. But his tackle efficiency was at 96% through 24 tackles. Um, and then compared to Francis, obviously, yeah, he was having a great game as well. So the Bears absolutely killed it. They they put themselves locked up into that second spot realistically. Um, actually, well, to be fair, we're getting into the ladder here. The Brisbane Tigers now jump the winner Manly Seagulls with that win. So because that was a, a all four teams, the top four, they uh, were playing each other. Brisbane Tigers beat Magpies, which puts them into third. Uh, which now means that um, now means that the Bears have to worry about them. However, if the Magpies lose, the Bears this week go up against the Mackay Cutters, who sit down there in 14th. Uh, they have only won, I think, two games this season, whilst the Bears are sitting at 13 wins. So, yeah, really good stuff there for the Bears, and just got to hope when many Seagulls can really be feeling that hurt from the Bears game and get the win against Magpies. And then guess what? We win the minor premiership. 
Um, going down there for Tweed, though. Tweed with their uh, with their result. They're in seventh position on 24 alongside the Northern Pride. Tweed have a plus 99 points differential to the Northern Pride's minus 83. Uh, but Sunshine Coast Falcons, obviously, we saw a little bit of Little Melamel and Buppy, Ryan Puppenhausen this week. And um, they're only one point short. So uh, the Tweedhead Seagulls, they play the Jets. Now, that is a great game for them because the Jets have not won a single game this year. They have not won a single game through 19 played. So that is a huge one there for the Seagulls right at the back end of the season that can lock them up into that top eight. And then obviously they're probably looking towards playing the Dolphins in the um, in Redcliffe in the uh, one of their opening games in the finals. So yeah, a lot going on there, but the Bears, flying, baby. Flying. Absolutely. And I've just looked up while you were speaking there, the eligibility to play finals for Queensland Cup is having played five games for the year. So we do have quite a lot of Titans um, players even like Cleese Haas, Jacob Arlick, who are close or in our NRL side that will be eligible um, once, you know, the NRL season finishes. If we don't make finals, they can go back there um, and play in reserve grade for us as well. Our current injury list, we've got AJ Brimson-Ribs, round 25. Jojo Fafita, round 25, also with his ankle injury. Fatu Aker is suspended until round 25. And Bo Firma is continuing his rehab from an ACL injury. Let's jump into our team list review, Blaze. Here's the key changes. Tino returns for the suspended Moeki Fodawaka. Jimmy Joloff is back from his hand injury. Brimson is still out with Jaden Campbell remaining at fullback. Chris Randall moves to hooker. That's because Sam Verrills is unavailable, as we said earlier, and Cruz Leeming, therefore, comes in at 14. Keanu Kinney, though, does retain that position on the bench. I'll jump into my changes, I think, for this. I'd like to see Chris Randall start at hooker. But I do think after 20 minutes, I'd like to see Leeming come on and Chris just go to that floating role he has at the moment in the middle. I think that suits him more. I'd probably look to move Jimmy Joloff to the bench for Isaac Liu. I just think Jimmy has a bit more punch from the bench, uh, which we will need against a powerful Sharkies pack. And Keanu Kinney. I probably would be dropping him out of our lineup for Jacob Arlick. I think we probably just need a little bit more muscle on that bench um, as opposed to Spark at the moment. Um, what sort of changes do you look at when you see our team list this round? Yeah, I love Keanu. I really do appreciate him, and I think that he's going to be a great star. But he's just coming into the team at a really unfortunate time where we do have JC and AJ and whatnot. Uh, and we've got pretty much every other spot that he could look at locked up as well. Uh, so, yeah, personally, I would have preferred just to have seen Jacob Arlick there. But I know that when he comes on, he can absolutely kill it. Uh, I agree with you. I think that Jimmy Jodloff off the bench would be absolutely brilliant there. Um, Isaac Liu had a great defensive game, actually, uh, for the Titans against the Wires. So I uh, would have loved to have seen Isaac Liu starting with Jimmy, obviously coming back from injury. You know, we've got a brand new four pack again. A brand new four pack there with Tino and uh, Jimmy. So look, it's it's uh, we've got a couple of our players back, but we also did lose a couple of our players. And there's there. Yeah, look, obviously this isn't our our full you know four pack. You know we're missing uh, we're missing Mo. We are still missing Bowie Firma. Um, you know we're missing Sammy Verrills now. It's a tough pill to swallow, but the fact of the matter is is that I still believe in this team. Yeah, absolutely. I believe we can get the job done as well. Let's jump into our preview. We're against the Sharkies at Points Bet Stadium Friday, 6 p.m. At this stage, I'll be at the game, and Blaze will be there. He's at all of our games this year. And I'm really excited for this one. I think with having Tino and Joloff back, they are two really key inclusions that we probably haven't factored in the last few weeks as much as we should have. Sharks are coming off an impressive display in Perth. They snapped their three-game losing streak. But I've got to be honest. I thought as good as they were in that game, what contributed to that win for them was the Bunnies being so poor. 
I don't want to discredit the Sharks. They got the win, but I also think the Bunnies did not offer anywhere near enough to trouble them in that one. And they do lead the NRL for errors at 10 per game. So there is a pathway to victory here for us. I think that's through controlling the middle and completing our sets, which we did really, really good last round, considering we were down uh, to 12 for the majority of it. The last time we beat the Sharkies was 2017. So they definitely have got the better of us in recent games, but I'm still feeling confident in this one. Uh, how do you see this one? And what do you think some of our keys to victory? I think our keys to victory is just going to be able to, you know, lock down Nico Hines. Hines loves, and with all due respect to Hines, I think he's a brilliant player, man, but he does love to take on these bottom eight sides and put him to the sword. So I think for us, we've really got to look to making sure that he just can't play his free-flowing game uh, like he did against the Rabbitohs, who obviously, they're the only top eight team that's actually below the Sharkies, which is funny. So everyone talks about how the Sharks can't beat top eight teams. Well, they just did, but that team is still below them, and they're in seventh. So that tells you quite a bit there. Look, this Sharks team has a lot of talent, man. They really do. Like, you look at the the strike power of Montalo, who does make mistakes, though. You know, Siona Katoa, uh, Jesse Ramian, Sisa Patalakai, uh, you know, Nico Hines, uh, Trindle can do a good job too. Um, you know, obviously they're missing Will Candy for Con Tracy, who provides a little bit of spark, but also not as good as Candy, in my personal opinion. And then you compare that with JC. I got JC winning that fullback battle. Um, and the wingers are Phil Sami and Alofiana Khan Pereira. I don't think is that much of a loss comparatively. I, I would actually say that I think the form of our wingers is better than the form of the Monotalo and Katoa trio, uh, duo there. So I actually give our winger battle to us. The centre battle of Jesse Ramian and Talakaita, Shuppi and Brian Kelly, I do give that battle to the Sharkies. And then in regards to the halves, I think Nico Hines really trumps all, but I am confident that Tanner Boyd and Kieran Foran do obviously trump over Braden Trindle. So, um, but I do still think the Sharkies there. So in regards to the back line, I think that it's it's pretty even besides the, the severity of what Nico Hines can produce. And then in regards to the forwards, I've never thought the Sharkies are actually that impressive in the in the forwards ever since 2016. When they won the comp, they were a great forward pack. But nowadays, it's not the same team. I'm not that scared of Hamilton Toby Rudolph, um, you know, Britton Crawway, Graham, Cameron McInnes. McInnes is a tackle bot, as we saw. He's not really an attacking kind of... Uh, threat, Wade Graham, he's a bit older now, experienced but older. Britton Cora, probably the most similar player to David Fafita you're going to get across the competition, but I do give Dave that battle. Um, Toby Rudolph and Hamilton Wally against Jimmy Jolliffe and Tino, I give that front row battle to us. In regards to the Nines, I do like Blake Braley, and I think that Randall's a good utility. So, you know, uh, look, Cameron McInnes probably does win the battle with Aaron Clark, but Aaron's got a better attack on him, and the back rowers. I do think that the combination of Britton Accor and Wade Graham probably outdo the combination of Fafita and Stimo, but I think we've got a great chance here. I think we've got a great chance. So for me, I would probably look at, you know, it would have to be a 1-12-er, but if we give that same effort that we saw against the Warriors, I could see us doing a surprise there at Shark Park, who we used to have a 50-50 record against, but obviously in recent years, we've been struggling, so it's gone away from us. I'm really confident we're going to win. I'm just uh, going to the team this like you did then. I, I do think if Jacob Arlett comes onto this bench, we're a better side forward. It just gives us another X-factor option. And Connor Tracy at fullback, with respect to Cody Walker and Lachlan Ilias, they're not really the sort of halves that are going to test you as the fullback with positional kicks and high balls. Tanner Boyd is. Tanner Boyd has one of the best boots in the game, in my opinion. Um, really, when you look at his season, he's only had one poor game with the boot. It was all the way back in round two, um, and it was at Nostrada Jubilee against the Dragons. Apart from that, he's been brilliant with the boot, and I think he can really test Connor Tracy, who is not a noted fullback at all. 
It's a really important game for the Sharks in terms of their final hopes, where their season's at. So I go to the question, can the Sharks handle pressure? No, they can't. Look at the finals last year. They dropped down back-to-back losses this year. Look at their record this year. They've got two wins over top eight sides. I believe it's the Eels and the Rabbitohs. So they have a remarkable record against these bottom eight sides. That's what's got them into the finals. So then the next question or the follow-on question is, are we a bottom eight side? Yes, the latter says we are. But you know what? I do not view us in that category. I don't view us in the same category as the teams that are around us in the bottom eight on our best day. And I'm not saying we're going to rock up and win this easily, but I know that if we're at our best or close to it, I know we can win this well, game. I'll throw something out here for you. I want to throw a bit of a fishing line out there. A couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. they played Manly at Shark Park. Manly were up 30 to nil. I know the Sharkers came back and they probably should have won that if Kennedy passes it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not it's not undoable. They're a bottom eight team, Manly. We beat Manly, thank you very much. And they were up 30 to zip against this Sharks team at Shark Park. So they're not unbeatable, mate. They're not unbeatable. They're not. And where I know the Sharks kind of got the Rabbitohs at their worst last round, the Rabbitohs this year against top four competition are conceding 14 points. You take out that one big loss they had to the Broncos and it's 12 points. And then the Sharkies score 26, more than double on them. So they did get the Rabbitohs as a good time there. Prior to that, you go to the last three weeks, the Sharkies did not look like scoring against the Warriors. They didn't look like scoring against Manly until the final 10 minutes, and they didn't score at all against the Panthers. All I'm saying is, I know we are big underdogs in this, but maybe I'm being optimistic, but surely I'm putting together enough evidence for other Titans fans to believe we are in this. Let me go one more. Raiders, Dolphins, Eels, Warriors. We won't say Rob, but we can all acknowledge we were unlucky in four of those games this year. If you... All right, one of us will say Rob. (laughs) If you give us two of those wins... Let's just give us two. Let's go down the middle. Um, we are one win behind the Sharkies on the ladder. And I know that if we were one win behind the ladder, this betting markets would be a lot closer. And so I just think if you tie everything I've just said together there, you need to scroll back and listen again. I am really confident we win this. Um, I'd put, I, I'll put my money where my mouth is. I will be having a play on us this game as well, absolutely. And I do think we can win this. I'm not fussed that we're a bottom eight side because I believe we are better than that. And when you tie it all together, I am going to tip us 1-12. to 12. Still respect the Sharks and uh, knowing that they need to play at home to keep their season alive. So I won't uh, say we're going to come out and roll over the top of them. I don't think we will. But I'm going to tip us 1-12 to 12 in this one. And I think Alofiana Camprera is going to score a double. That's my predictions. What predictions have you got for the game for us? I'm going 1-12. to 12. I'm saying, you know what? Tanner doesn't miss another conversion because guess what? He doesn't miss. And I reckon we're going to surprise him. I'm going to give us a, the win by yeah. four points. I'm going to go like a, you know, 18-14 kind of deal. And I'm, you know what? I'm going to say first try scorer. First try scorer is going to be the Foz. I'm going to go Foz. I yeah. reckon he's going to surprise, and Foz is going to be first try scorer. So there's some good odds for you. Mate, I like it. And Foz has been uh, backing up on the inside from Fafita passes. Khan Pereira kicks this year. Not the worst prediction there at all, and no doubt a bit of value about it. So yeah, both of us are going our Titans to win. Um, and to any any of our listeners, believe we can win this game, and I, and I think we will. Uh, let's jump into our Q&A section. If you are uh, wanting to ask a question for this section, the best place to do it is via the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast Facebook group. No, no, that's a mouthful. But if you go on Facebook and you search Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast, the group will pop up as the top search. Request to join there. Jump on in. It's not just uh, podcast related. We also talk all things Titans in the group. Hopefully we can see you there. 
Our first question comes from Emilio De Savage. Now, he is a Bulldogs fan, uh, and he says, with how well Sexton is going at the Mighty Bulldogs, do you regret letting him go? I'm going to say no, but I'll go to you to give your answer first because I know you were a lot closer to Toby than I Yeah, am. look, obviously, I uh, know Emilio as well. He's a big doggies fan down there, a bit of woof-woof. But look, I'm look, no. Um, in regards to Tobes, I love the bloke. I really do. He's actually been on the Gold Coast during their bye weekend this weekend. Uh, but no, I don't. I think that it was time for Tobes to go elsewhere and, and try his talent out, you know, with a team that really needed him, you know, and needed him only individually. We had Tan, we had Tobes, also Tommy Weaver there. You know, I think that it was time that where it wasn't working out for him here. I want nothing but the best for him. And I think he's been killing for the Dogs. Because fun fact for you, when Toby Sexton has played a full 80 minutes for the yeah. Dogs, they have not lost a game so far this season, So, which has only been two games. But point matter is, is that... Um, and I do think if he plays the full game against the Bronx, they do lose that game Belmore. But not the point. He is 80 minutes has not lost a game for the Dogs this year. So, yeah, look, I, I love it for him. I'm very, very happy for him. You know, I wish he... I, I wanted nothing more than him for, to succeed on the Gold Coast. But no, I think he needed to go, and I don't have any regrets about it, no. Let me say this. I appreciate everything Toby did whilst he was in a Titans jersey, and I love watching him play every week. But he's not a Titan anymore. Um, the decision has been made. So, no, I don't regret us letting go of Toby. I'm very happy with his current form and happy to see him performing for the Bulldogs. Uh, but I just think at the moment with Tanner playing so well, we can't have regrets there. And um, there was also indicated via a Sydney Morning Herald report that Ben Hunt kind of only agreed to the Dragons to sort of put all this on the back burner because he was sick of the media headlines. And he said to privately approach them for another release where we are favourites to sign him. Um, even before Sexton was rumoured to be on the outer, I was saying on some other shows that I'm on, he should sign with the Dragons. So although I think that, you know, this isn't me saying this, this is like from if, for the club, if we're so interested in going for, for Ben Hunt, I don't understand why we didn't offer Toby Sexton a deal, you know, with some money as well, um, to, you know, potentially lure Benny Hunt, give the Dragons some happiness there. They get a nice little seven. And I think that could have been the play because we we're going to get rid of him anyway. So, yeah, a little confusing there. But in the same sense, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. You know, I, I, I trust in Ezra um, to, to know what's best for our club. And, um, you know, that's our recruitment manager and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, look, all love for Tobes, but uh, you know, I'm look, I'm I think Tanner's really coming into his own with that club. Toby, respect what you did, but we are first and foremost always going to have people that wear this jersey's back, and at the moment that is Tanner, and we believe in him absolutely. Our next question comes from Swim Rutkin, and they said, "Name all of our current players you can see being a part of a Premiership winning side." That's a tough one to answer uh, here live off the top of my head. Um, I'm really happy with the current 17 we've had for a lot of this year. And really the only key change I could see to that that could win us a premiership in the short term would be including Ben Hunt, who was a 300-game uh, NRL veteran captain there into our lineup at some stage. Outside of that, I feel like our squad is young enough and talented enough with the uh, with the players we've got to, to win as it currently is. And so the only other way I could answer that would be to go through and say players I don't think should be here. I'm not going to do that because I respect all our players too much. Um, but I'll go to you. Do you have a certain way you'd like to answer that question? Yeah, and, you know, just to preface this as well, like, obviously, you know, we're going to be honest here on this, this podcast and whatnot, but we're also not going to disrespect these boys. Like, we know these boys, and yeah. also they're our team. You know, we don't want to disrespect them anyway. Um, so we're not going to come out and say, oh, this person shouldn't be here, blah, 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 unless they give us a genuine <laughs> reason to. Um, <laughs> but, like, no, none of our boys have. 
but like, look, obviously, I, I, you know, agree with a lot of what Clarkie said here. I think that, you know, you go into it, and look, Desi's going to come in, and he's going to change his team up a little bit. He's going to give it his own spice. You know, we've got two players. We're on 28 right now. We haven't got the 30. So, obviously, but Desi Special will be coming in for, for next year. He has been working alongside Jimmy Lenahan. He has been working alongside the club. Um, you know, I, I think Loffy can be an absolute star, you know, to, to point out his name. You know, I think JC is the fullback. You throw AJ as the center. I think that's a great little combo there. I do genuinely believe in what Tanner Boyd can produce into the future. I think that in the short term, as what Clark said, Ben Hunt and Kim Fawn could be an absolutely fantastic combination. But in the same sense, I don't know if we win the Premiership next year, but I think we can make massive inroads to the Premiership because teams need years realistically in the finals before you can really guarantee them in. Obviously, I'm going to be there regardless, but, you know, yeah, I love what Tanner can do. Obviously, Kieran is getting older. His body is getting a lot more frail, and Kieran's not going to be disrespected by me saying this. He sees me there every week. I see him every week wobbling after a game, you know? It just is the the takes of how rugby league is. So we do need to look towards that 5-8 position, but, you know, our four-pack absolutely can win a comp. Uninjured, Jamin Jolliffe, sorry, uninjured, Mo Fodawaker, Sam Verrills, Tina Fasumalawi, David Fafida, Bowie Firma, Aaron Clark. You've got jo- uh, Jamin Jolliffe off the bench. You've even got Cleese half the be- uh, Haas off the bench. You know, you've got even guys like Jay Malik. I genuinely believe we have a great team here. So, yeah, like, you go through it all, and I, I really believe in this. I mean, Chris, sorry, I didn't even mention Chris Randall because Sam Verrill's our starter, but Chris Randall off the bench. You know, I love it. I really do love it. So I don't think we're as far off as people imagine, and I think a Desi special is going to be getting a nice little fried rice come up here, and I'm going to love it. And we had another question that kind of ties into the same discussion we're having right now, so I think it's a good place to continue. Lee Anderson said, name our top 18 for next year and where you think they should play. Um, just having a look through, our only 2024 signing so far is Keenan Policia from the Broncos, who is a, a really cool guy. I actually did a, um, a, a camp with him for the Gold Coast Academy back in the day. So I've known him since we were like, um, I think before the end of the time. Really, really cool guy. And I was really happy when he when, when I found out he was coming to our club. Our 2024 losses are Aaron Booth, Patrick Herbert, Cruz Leeming, Ben Liu, Sam McIntyre, Thomas McKayley, and Toby Sexton. I look at that list and... There's no one there that I'm desperately thinking, damn it, we should have kept him. Like, it's not a Jack White into Rabideau situation where you're really upset they're gone, I suppose. Now, this is where I'm so impressed. These are the players we've re-signed. Jaden Campbell, Dave Fafita, Jamin Jolliffe, Brian Kelly, Alofiana Camprera, Chris Randall, Philip Sammy, and Sam Verrills, all until the end of 2026. Now, I think that presents an issue in the future because they're all going to be coming off contract at the same time. But for now... That is three seasons. We have the core of our squad together. Our only two players off contract at this stage, Blazer, Tony Francis and Joseph Vuna. And so when we talk about our best team for next year and who plays where and all that, and what do we need to do when a premiership, I don't think we need to make big changes. I'm really happy with the core group. The club is as well. They've re-signed them. And I don't necessarily think we'll be competing for that premiership next year. Yeah, I, I wish you were being modest before, mate. <laughs> We're going to win the premiership next year, mate. It's going to be so, so Oh, look, we'll for finals next year. 
I'll lock us in for finals. We're top eight next year. Yeah, you agree? I want you to put that locker there and I want you to take the key and I want you to throw it down the bloody Tweed River. All right? That's how much we're confident we're making the finals next year. And I'm not even joking. Throw it down the river and don't even look at it because I genuinely believe that we are making the finals next year. And I think that we will be a competitor, especially with Desi at the helm. All aboard Mm -hmm. the Desi train, baby. Another factor for next year as well is we'll have our own reserve grade side. So these players like Arlick this year and um, Keanu Kinney and Cleese Haas that's been in reserve grade at times, they're all going to be playing for the Titans with Titans. And so I just think it's, it's next year is going to be amazing. I can't wait already. Let's jump into our final question for the show. It comes from Toby and his username is Thick Man Toby. So Toby, um, <laughs> I don't know what's it's going on there. but he's out there, man. Send us through your best protein shake creatine combination. He says, <laughs> thoughts on Payne Haas most likely leaving the club? I, I wouldn't say most likely yet. Uh, there's There are some rumours that he might be looking to join the Storm and some of these other clubs. But in terms of linking Payne Haas to our club, is there anything you see that really jumps out at you? I know his brother is with us. Is there anything else? Look, he obviously originally was from our area. You know, there's photos of him when he was like 16 years old with a Titan shirt on. But I don't know. I know that we probably could put a reduced offer in to keep him with his brother and also in the local area um, if he wanted to come here. Uh, but in the same sense, you know, that's a ridiculous forward pack, mind you. Tina Fasumalawi and also uh, Payne Haas with off the bench, Jimmy Jolliffe and also Mo Fodawaka. Like That's getting ridiculous at that point. It's getting ridiculous. I don't see it happening, personally. Uh, but his brother is here. You know, it is just down the an hour down the road. Maybe Renault goes from the Broncos. He's getting to an old man now. So uh, maybe not be able to convincingly lead the Broncos around enough. So he's like, you know what? I want to leave the Bronx. I want to go to the Glitter Strip. I want to go to the beaches. I don't want, you know, South Bank. Who wants to go to South Bank when you can go fake to beach. Burley? You know, exactly right. Fake, fake beach, beach. fake club. Exactly, exactly right. So, you know, I don't think it happens. But we can all have a bit of fun with it. I can tag. I, I did actually tag him. I'm not going to say what was said. But uh, I did actually tag him on my Instagram with a photo of it. Um, saying welcome to the club pain with him in that yeah. old photo of him in the Titans shirt. But yeah, look, obviously we can all hope maybe that happens, but I, I really have significant doubt that it would happen. My thoughts, the only way I could see it happening, I don't necessarily think we need Haas. It would probably stack our forward pack a little bit too unevenly with how we need to manage our spines and outside back players. But the only way I see that happening is if he has a fallout with the Broncos where they really do not come to the negotiation table for him. I think that's unlikely. If that does happen, I think he we would see him either sign with the Bulldogs, where he's close to Davida Pangai Jr. and Sonny Bill Williams, who's involved with the club. I'd then say the Dolphins would be next favourite to remain in the area. The only way I think we factor in is if all three of those don't happen and we'd be the fourth club. And I think that would be, I need to say this carefully, uh, to do with his family situation with his mother at the moment, if he needed to stay in the local area, we won't touch on that any further, but I think that's probably the only way we did. Uh, we do get pain to the club. Yeah. It would be nice to dream though. He is an elite front rower and it'd be very cool to see him and his brother lining up for us every week. Um, Tino, Mo, what a forward pack that would be, but that is all we've got time for on this show. We want to say thank you very much to every Titans fan who's been here with us. Believe this week against the Sharkies guys, we can do this. We will do this. Get behind our club. We've got a strong finish to the year and even more exciting things for the future. So from myself, thank you very much for your viewership or listenership, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. With that, with that said, over to you, Blaze, to say goodbye to our Fire listeners. Up, baby.
Fire up, son! I want to see it. I want to hear it. Everyone get up and around it. I know our season is most likely over, but it's not over. You know, let's still really crack on behind this team. Let's get behind this women's team. Their season's absolutely not over. They are top of the table right now. We need to really fire up behind this community. Supporters, obviously Sharky's game early on Friday, but then we have the Panthers, which is a tough one at home. There's going to be a lot of bandwagoners there, don't you worry. So we're going to need you guys to completely get out there and full-on support this team. You know, this is where the true fans are seen. You, you're going to easily see uh, thousands and thousands, 26,000, 27,000 crowds at CBUS when we're winning. But be there when we're down this area and look around. Take a look around and see who is there when we're struggling. Who is there when we're in these down moments? Because I can tell you right now, next year, we are going up. I'm not doubting it at all. I am so confident in this team going forward. So fire up. We appreciate you guys. Hopefully see a few down there at Sharky Park. It's selling out, so get down there now uh, to a ticket. Mm. Um, and uh, listen, if I want some soup this weekend, I'm going to be having some shark fin soup, Clark. Yeah. That's what I'm going to be doing. Nice little. And did you hear what happened to the um? Did you hear what happened to the Sharks 2023 season? Here we go. Mate, it vanished into thin air. Oh God, I'm, no, that's it. <laughs>